A reading from the first book of Kings. At the mountain of God, Horeb, Elijah came to a cave where he took shelter. Then the Lord said to him, Go outside and stand on the mountain before the Lord. The Lord will be passing by. A strong and heavy wind was rending the mountains and crushing rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire, there was a tiny whispering sound. When he heard this, Elijah hid his face in his cloak and went and stood at the entrance of the cave. The word of the Lord. Gracias. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Romans. Brothers and sisters, I speak the truth in Christ. I do not lie. 
my conscience joins with the Holy Spirit in bearing me witness that I have great sorrow and constant anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, my kindred according to the flesh. They are Israelites, theirs the adoption, the glory, the covenant, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. There's the patriarchs, and from them, according to the flesh, is the Christ, who is over all, God blessed forever. Amen. The word of the Lord. The Lord be with you. And with, and with your spirit. spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord. After he had fed the people, Jesus made the disciples get into a boat and proceed him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. After doing so, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When it was evening, he was there alone. Meanwhile, the boat, already a few miles offshore, was being tossed about by the waves, for the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, he came toward them, walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It is a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. At once, Jesus spoke to them. Take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Peter said to him in reply, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. Peter got out of the boat and began to walk on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw how strong the wind was, he became frightened. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and caught Peter and said to him, O you of little faith, why, why did you doubt? After they got into the boat, the wind died down. Those who were in the boat did him homage, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to the Lord Jesus Christ. O you of little faith, why did you doubt? 
It's a great question, not just for Peter, but for us today. You see, the scriptures today are all about finding God, seeing God, not where we expect to find him, not where we want to see him, but where God wants us to find him, experience him, and experience his love. Even in the midst of fear and doubt that can consume us in this world. How many of us can relate to Peter? Knowing, thinking, and feeling that our faith is so strong that we can walk on water. Or how about Elijah in the first reading? Where we hear that God is not how most people expect him. In the powerful wind, in the hot fire, or in the earthquake, but in the whisper. These scripture readings about faith and about how we encounter God and how we experience him are front and center for us today. And when Peter is one of the main characters, we know there are going to be mistakes, struggles, and things aren't just going to go the way Peter wanted them to go, and maybe even how we want them to go in our lives. For me, Peter is very easy to relate to. If we were charting his faith throughout all the scriptures, it would be like an EKG line, up and down, up and down. I can relate to that. Can you? Are there times where your faith was challenged or fear made you doubt God was with you? I think most of us have those struggles. When we question our faith or we doubt God and his plan, and God knows this, and that is when we see the power of God. That's never been more evident in my life than in the last few weeks. Our family has experienced the highest highs and the lowest lows. Just a little over a month ago on July 12th, my wife Kelly and I were sitting on the couch and her phone rang. It was a call from our daughter. She was on the phone, so she didn't answer. So my phone rang, and I don't know about how your family is, but if mom's phone rings and nobody answers, and dad's phone rings, then you need to answer it. Something's going on. And it's one of those phone calls that's a life-changing event, and it, not necessarily for us, but for them. It went something like this. Mom and dad, we're pregnant. Baby number four to go with a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and a one-year-old. All boys. Whoa. We get off the phone and we're just sitting there smiling at each other. Little shot. Happy. Who doesn't love babies? We're smiling. We're cutting up. We're thinking to ourselves, they're going to be busy. And we know their faith is strong, but we know that it's going to be tested. All the while, in the back of our minds, praying for a healthy baby after our last grandson was born with a cleft palate. Healthy baby. And maybe in the very back of our mind, in the back corner, somewhere way back here, hoping that it's a girl. A couple weeks later, Kelly and I are literally walking on the water. We're on a boat in the ocean. It's part of a work trip. We're having fun. We're cutting up. And we get a text. It's a girl. I love those early tests. Pink border. It's a girl. Game on. We're happy. Happy dances everywhere. God is good. What a blessing. 
July 29th, the next day, we're literally still flying high. We're on a plane. We're coming home. And you know, today, you can get your text messages on a plane. And I get a text from Katie. She says, don't worry. I'm in the UK ER with a bum leg, swollen, very weak. And I don't think much about it. She kind of discounts it a little bit. She tells me it's maybe pinched nerve or a blood clot or something. We both think, no worries, it'll get fixed up. We land in Atlanta and we're walking. Actually, we're running because we're trying to catch an earlier flight. And my phone rings. And it's Katie. And she says, Dad, what are you doing? I said, I'm trying to get on this plane. I want to get home early. And she says, okay, call me back when you can. And I say, Katie, it sounds like you're crying. What's, what's wrong? What's going on? And then I heard the words that no parent ever wants to hear. Dad, I have a brain tumor. Right there, in the middle of the Atlanta airport, Kelly and I started to drown in the ocean of life. Pregnant with a baby girl and a brain tumor. Come on, God. <laughs> what are you doing? What's the plan, God? Why is this happening? And then I remember... I'm supposed to be the source of strength and hope. <laughs> I'm a deacon. I got to take a deep breath. I have to focus and I got to get us home as quick as possible. I also remember saying this to Katie. I said, Katie, you are a woman of great faith. Now is the time to live that faith. All the while I was saying those words, I was scared to death. I was afraid. I was even a little mad. Maybe a lot mad at God. Why is this happening to Katie? And you know, fear, fear seems to entrench itself in our minds when we are in danger of losing something or someone, especially someone that has been so reliable to us in our lives, so dear to us. But that threat of loss, it is a call across troubled waters. That sinking feeling that you get right here when you hear those words with bad news, it is our recognition that we are unable to walk the waters of life on our own. And it is during these times that the hand of God is most visible. Some people will call it support. Others will call it family and friends. But those of us with faith we know that it is God's hand that guides us. Even while we struggle with fear, even while we struggle to answer the question, why? And our faith during these times, it becomes visible in obscure places like hospital rooms or waiting rooms or driveways. We are scared and we are afraid and unsure, but we move forward all while trying to remember that fear, fear is not a sign of cowardice. It's not. It's an invitation. It is an invitation to admit that we are wondrously dependent. And what are we dependent on? On a cross. 
a historical sign of torture and death, we not only look at the cross, we move towards it. Not knowing the path, but knowing the destination. We move towards Jesus. We move towards his eternal love. And it is here. It is here when Jesus whispers in our ears, do not be afraid. He tells us this over and over and over through Scripture. He tells us to trust in Him, and He tells us He loves us. And it's here in the presence of that love that we come face to face with God, present in this world, physically present in our lives, in our family, in our friends, and the people we encounter in times of trouble, anxiety, and fear. You know, in our family situation, fast-forwarding to today, so much more has happened. The tumor has been removed. We know what type of cancer it is. We know that we can both fight the cancer and save the baby. Something a surgeon told us was impossible just 10 days ago. Katie is undergoing intense therapy at Cardinal Hill, trying to regain use of her right side and improve her cognition ability. So the road forward will be challenging. And here's the important part. We have also seen the face of God in so many places. First, in the fact that she's pregnant. A gift that most likely saved Katie's life. Because without that baby girl, we may not have found that tumor in time. At the airport, we're trying to get home as quickly as we can. We get to that gate, and he sees the meltdown. But he also says, I can't get you on that flight. It's full. Five minutes later, we're on the plane on the way home. The face of God is everywhere. In the middle of a six-hour surgery, Kelly and I go look for a chapel at UK Hospital. It's a big hospital. We can't find the chapel, but we find Father Al Giacomo walking around. Always smiles. If you know Father Al, he always has a smile on his face. He gave us a hug and prayed with us. We decided we are going to go get something to eat since we couldn't find the chapel. We run into Father Richard Watson. He helped bring Andrew into the church a few years ago. He hugged us. He prayed with us. We see the face of God everywhere. And friends that are doctors and nurses that help us understand the maze that is healthcare. And our pastor, Father Lynn, who assures us that God is with us and that God is in control when we feel like we have no idea what's happening. We see God and friends who help us get from point A to point B with more food than we should be eating, but with plenty of hugs, plenty of tears and laughter, and maybe even a cold beer. The hands of Jesus are everywhere. But most of all, they're in the countless prayers from our friends, from strangers that we don't even know. From all over this country, asking God to look out for Katie and Andrew, their three boys and the baby and all of us. And this display of faith and prayers over the last few weeks has been the greatest display of God's power, of God's love that we have ever experienced. It has been truly extraordinary. So I say thank you. I thank God. I thank him for you.
for people we don't even know. But I also ask you to continue to pray for Katie and her baby and all of us. But I also ask you to stop and do the same for others. There are a lot of crises in people's lives now. People you know, people you don't know. And you know when somebody walks up to you and says, hey, would you put so-and-so on your prayer list? Do it. It means something. Take that extra minute. Find out the details and pray for them. And if you can help in other ways, do it. You won't be sorry. But do it because it's our calling in life. We're called as Christians to be like Jesus. To be the hands of God. To be the hands of Jesus. To love one another unconditionally. And remember this. We are called to love each other. Because through love, we conquer fear. And our God knows when we are afraid. He knows when our faith is being challenged. And it is then that he extends his hand. He extends his hand to us during those times, just like when Jesus extended his hand to Peter on the water. It may look different. It might look like Linda or Scott or Henry or Bob or Father Lynn or Deacon Dallas. It may look different, but make no mistake, it is God's hand. And through that hand, through that love, we move through fear. And then we find ourselves on solid ground. We find ourselves back in the boat. And when the storm has passed, and it will pass, and the hand of Jesus has pulled us through, we too can recognize, just like the disciples on that boat, that God is truly with us.